Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. As you can tell, we're on location. This is my friend Spencer Holbrook from LettermanRow.com, host site of the Tim May Show. This is my friend Andy Backstrom. He thought I was going to call him something else, but Andy Backstrom from LettermanRow.com, host site of the Tim May Show, which is also on On3.com. Yeah, I've got a cap. i got to wear it. But the bottom line is uh, football season fellas is starts for Ohio State at the end of this week as we're recording this and I've got a couple of guests on my show to kind of get things pumped up to a certain extent number one I've got uh, Ben Hartsock former tight end at Ohio State talking about the uh, sort of the symmetry between him and Cade Stover being two fellas who grew up on a farm and uh, both have etched their names into the folklore or the lore of tight end play at The Ohio State University. We'll see whether Cade Stover takes that next step and becomes maybe the greatest tight end in Ohio State history. He certainly has that, might have those Might have those chances this season. And then I've got Rick Neuheisel because the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, this first game for Ohio State, Ohio State in Indiana is gonna be broadcast by CBS for the first time, and I didn't look this up and I should have, for the first time in a long time. Yeah. CBS, which uh, as you well know, has been, has been identified with the Southeastern Conference for low these many years, uh, is going to be uh, televising the Ohio State at Indiana season opener. And it's just a, 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 dip in, a toe dip into the water of the fact that uh, the Big Ten is going to be on three over the air major networks this year, Fox, CBS, and NBC which is a big change. ESPN's out the door, so to speak. And then it's going to be on the other affiliates uh, or streaming services or whatever you want to call it, uh, cable outlets, uh, Peacock, etc. cetera. Uh, so some games are in the Big Ten. But this is a, an interesting change for the Big Ten. And uh, I don't know, Spence, are you ready for it? Yeah. Uh, I don't love the idea that we're probably going to get more primetime games uh selfishly just because of the schedule that it creates for us but nobody cares what it creates for us the fan atmosphere is better for primetime uh you know you can do a lot with your saturday if ohio state plays on prime in primetime i can even go do things in the morning before we come to the stadium and things like that so i get it uh maybe you'll get that patio finished it's done from from fan perspective uh it's going to be a lot of fun uh Playing on Peacock, I think, is the worst thing for Ohio State. I can't believe that that's part of the equation. But well, it was on, um, it was on the FS, FS1, you know. They have had some games on FS1 before. But never fully streaming only. It's always been on some sort of cable. And to, to go to Peacock, I, I think, is, is awful. Um, you've got 18 teams in the league in 2024, and there are six of them that don't deserve to play on network television anyway. Put them on Peacock. Um, but that's just my opinion on the... The new TV contract, but you know, overall, I think it's a net gain for the Big Ten on the football field. If you talk about other athletics, I think it's devastating, especially basketball, because of not being on ESPN, not but being you in sports. But right? yes, yeah. Part part of the yeah. dynamic of putting it on Peacock is NBC is paying a lot of money to the Big Ten, and they want to upgrade their service. I mean, I've I've got Peacock because I like watching uh, IndyCar racing. I like watching uh, different different things that they have on there, like. Uh, you know, this past this past week, watching the uh, the tour championship, uh, the uh, uh, rounds, etc. I mean, they're they're everybody's looking at this from a business sense, of course, except when it comes to paying the players out of that pot of gold. But we'll get to that maybe some other time. But Andy, what what is this three over the air networks? What does that mean for the Big Ten? Because I think you kind of get lost in that streaming thing or that uh, those premium things and forget about it. all three of those networks are going to have games every week. 
Yeah, three over-the-air networks this year, and then next year we're going to have talks across the entire country, Big Ten, adding four more teams. And I just feel like, you know, this is just the conference expanding. It's the way it is going to happen going forward. Also, SEC, Big Ten are going to be in this arms race going forward. And now to have CBS kind of shared among the two conferences, it just kind of makes sense yeah. the way things are going. And it all intertwines. But, um, yeah, I'm really interested to see how it plays out. I think the coverage teams that they've assembled are pretty interesting. Give us a little bit more diversity for those pregame shows, for the after-the-game coverage as well. I think uh, I'd be interested to see how it turns out. Um, but as Spencer said, I think that it's tough to ignore what it's going to do for all the other sports. But for football, this is, this is great. Yeah. I, I was just wondering, I want to run this by both of you guys too. Uh, you know, we talked about this uh, on LettermanRoad.com, our, our videos that we do post-practice, pre pre-week uh, our pre-week uh, videos and things like that but uh, I want you to give me one player that we haven't talked about before on any of those platforms each of y'all a guy that you're very curious to see start for Ohio State the number three team in the country on Saturday against Indiana a player we we're not going to talk about the quarterbacks because as we as we record this obviously they haven't even named their starting quarterback neither team has Indiana or Ohio State uh, we'll see if Ohio State does this as the week goes on between Cal McCord and Devin Brown. But give me a, one player that we haven't talked about on any of our platforms, speaking of platforms, that you're curious about seeing on Saturday. One player? Did you say a starter or did you just no, say? I didn't say that. I said one player. Just one player. Uh, cool. Well, I didn't know about this, so now you've got me thinking, wait, wait, Tim. Wait, you can't just come up with one player that you're curious about? Uh no, it, it's it's this tough. I'm gonna go. Two tape, ladies and gentlemen. I'll take Josh Simmons. Um, Good pick. Just starting at left tackle for Ohio State after starting at right tackle last year for San Diego State wasn't particularly great for the Aztecs last year, but it seemed to take the jump under Justin Fry. Uh, the light has come on, uh, for one of another term, like you like to say, Tim. Uh, he's starting at left tackle for the number three team in America, and that's a huge huge deal yes. his predecessor was just the number six overall pick in the country the expectations could not possibly be higher and this, he's excited about it i even is, asked him that very thing you go from san diego state an, almost an obscure program out there on the west coast to the number three team in the country and but not just that ohio state is fired up about having but and, and i want to ask you this you remember the, the the guys in the transfer portal from a tackle position that they sort of missed and everybody was all up in arms about it. I mean, he came in here and established that he is their bona fide left tackle, when in fact, a lot of people thought he would be contending for the right tackle spot, maybe having a chance to start. I still think that they missed on those other tackles. I mean, well, a Johnny, they're not here. A Johnny Cornelius is starting at left tackle for Oregon, and he's going to be the linchpin of that offensive line. You talk about, you know, Dylan Wade, who transferred to Auburn, who Ohio State liked from Tulsa. You, you know, a couple other guys, Jeremiah Byers from UTEP, who Ohio State really liked, is going to start for another top 10 team in Florida State. Like, yeah. those are still misses. And it, it has worked out better than even maybe Ohio State expected because he's starting at left tackle now. But, like, Josh Simmons shouldn't be here because they should have been able to get one in that winter transfer portal then it's crunch time in the spring and you have to go get Josh Simmons not that Josh Simmons is a bad player at all he was the best available when they did it they still missed and that's why I think you know if you see Josh Simmons uh, struggle a little bit and you see Byers and you see uh, you know Cornelius and you see a couple other guys you know JC Latham from at Alabama who didn't transfer but they missed on uh, you know coming out of high school you see Caden Proctor, who they missed on coming out of high school, at, again at Alabama. He named an entire offensive line of tackles. 
And yeah, but what I'm saying is, the pressure's on Josh Simmons because of all of those other talented guys that Ohio State quote unquote missed on, and now he's taking that role instead of them. And See, so I think I, I, I think the pressure's on Justin Fry and Ryan Day, and the coaching staff because you you end up with who you end up with. Well, and, to, and they to, have determined he is the guy. To finish it, so I can let Andy talk, uh, since I've been hogging the mic here. Yeah. Like, no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> you know, it, it is pressure on Justin Fry and Ryan Day, I, I, I agree, but there were a lot of false start penalties on Josh Simmons last year. And to be stepping into that role with all of that pressure, you know, especially, you know, on the road in a Big Ten game, I know it's Indiana, but I, you've got to see that on Saturday. You've got to see him down in that stance. And even as simple as no false starts in the week one against Indiana to prove he can do it on the road in the Big Ten would be a huge win. If he's jumping, if he's jumping a couple times there in that first half, I'll be a little more pessimistic about the state of this offense in general because the left tackle would be struggling then. If he's good, though, Saturday, then I'll have a really good feel on where this offensive line is. I'm going the other side of the ball. As much as we talked about the offensive line this offseason, we've also talked about the secondary for Ohio State, and that starts with the cornerbacks, and that's led by Denzel Burke, who has maybe had the best offseason of any Buckeyes player. I mean, talked about him a ton this offseason, and really, he's been coming out of the coach's mouth, too, as a guy who stood out. He took that pro mindset, stayed in the building later after practice, getting in earlier before practice. He's talked about how he can trash talk a little bit more now that he has his confidence back. That's always been done so far at his best. And he's the leader of this group. We talk about some position groups, right? The running backs, it's Travion Henderson and then the rest, the wide receivers. As much as I like Emeka Aguka, it really is Marvin Harrison Jr. And then we talk about the rest. Yeah. For the corners, it's Denzel Burke and then the rest. It's supposed to be at least. The first test is this weekend at Indiana. I know they're going to rotate him with Davison Igbenosin and Jordan Hancock, but he is supposed to be cornerback one. He's supposed to bring back Best in America, BIA, all of that for Tim Walton and the rest of Ohio State. Will he do it week one? That's what I'm watching. Yeah, I think we're going to see all three cornerbacks, those three cornerbacks on the field, many plays, to be honest with you, because they really like to, like, for example, throwing Jordan Hancock down there. This camp went on and on. He kept picking up these whispers that he could be going against a slot guy on occasion because he gets Davis, Davis and Nick Benoson, uh sort of a, a clone of uh, Jeffrey Okuda, gets him on the field. And uh, they really like Davis and Nick Benoson, like you just pointed out, the fact of how, how he's getting his hands on, on the ball, et cetera, and is very tough to throw over. So <clears throat> I agree with you. I think Denzel Burke is a, big, is a big improvement compared to this time a year ago when he was banged up and played anyway. You know, you got to give it up to him from a warrior standpoint in that regard, but he paid for it uh, a few times. The guy I'm uh, interested in watching, and I'm not going to say Sonny Styles because I said him on our previous uh, video, but the guy I'm really curious to see if he really makes a jump from like just getting him on the field to see if he can make plays to then maybe being a guy that they need to have on the field a lot more is C.J. Hicks, number 11, uh, the Micah Parsons look-alike contest winner. Uh, C.J. Hicks, in my opinion, is one of those one of those breakout potential kind of players that more and more he's going to have to play as this season goes on. I think what he and Sonny Styles are going to bring to this offense makes it make is one of the reasons why I think it's going to be a much different looking excuse me defense is going to make is going to make it a much different looking defense compared to a year ago just from like pure personal talents and the way they're going to exploit those and so. C.J. Hicks is a guy I've got my eye on. I want to ask you this. 
one name me one Big Ten team and make this uh, a 10 second soliloquy. One, ten t one Big Ten team right now, as the season's about to jump into full time gear, that you've got your eye on is a po potential surprise good team or some potential surprise fall off the cliff team. Spencer, I'm going to go back to you, so we'll keep the timing correct. Oh my goodness, I don't. I don't mean to interrupt my own show, ladies and gentlemen, but there is a storm warning, possible storm warning come for, coming for your house or among you and your buddies. You forgot to get tickets for Ohio State's opener this weekend at Indiana. And I'm telling you, GameTime.co, game, the GameTime app, it's here to rescue you and your buddies or you and your family. Heck, for $47 right now as I'm holding this, as I record this, for $47, you can get into the game at Indiana this week. And remember, this isn't a huge stadium over there. Almost any ticket uh, in Memorial Stadium at Indiana is a good ticket. But uh, you can get in for $47, uh, all the way up to uh, good good sideline tickets for like in the 80 in the $80 to $90 range. That's a hell of a deal to watch the number three team in the country play its season opening game. And remember, you can find it on on. GameTime.co or the GameTime app. You download the GameTime app and you use the GameTime app to make your purchase and you use the promo code Buckeyes, you get $20 off that first purchase. You know what I'm telling you there. You can do the math. $20 off the first purchase if you use the promo code Buckeyes. And remember, terms do apply uh, for any purchases on the GameTime app or the GameTime app or GameTime.co. And also another thing to remember is the game time uh, guarantee that if you find any ticket for cheaper than that, in that same row you're buying your ticket in, if you find it for cheaper somewhere else, uh, game time, the game time app, gametime.co will refund you 110% of the difference between uh, that price and the price you paid on game time. So you can't go wrong one way or the other. And remember, terms always apply to these kind of guarantees. But uh, if you're in trouble right now and you've got to get those opening day tickets for the third-ranked Buckeyes for the 2023 season, September 2nd in Indiana, GameTime.co, the GameTime app, they're the place to go. Uh, I'll go with Wisconsin as they fall off the cliff team. Uh, a lot of people are very high on this Wisconsin team. I've seen Tanner Mordecai against good defenses. It hasn't been good. When he was at SMU, it wasn't great. I've seen year ones before of programs that should be good with good coaches. Year one is hard. It's hard. And they're going from that pound, ground and pound scheme to Phil Longo, who knows how to run the ball, but is a pass-heavy guy. I think those tendencies start to show at the, toward the end of the year. I don't I don't see it with Wisconsin being the, the Big Ten West team this year. I just don't. That's a good pick. I've got to thank somebody else now. Go ahead. Sorry, with fall off? Or? Fall off or, or better than expected? I'm just going to go the other way with Wisconsin. I think they're going to actually be a surprise team. I think they're the biggest threat to Ohio State in the regular season. <laughs> I know Michigan is obviously a threat too, but I think that's upset potential down there in Madison. You're coming off a game against Penn State, highly anticipated game, probably the most recruits in this building. For that weekend if you beat Penn State then you go right there the next week to Madison maybe a night game it's Luke Fickle matchup I'm not gonna make too much of that he's just coached here before and that's a lot of transfers not just Tanner Mordecai they brought in a lot of talent through the transfer portal and Luke Fickle commands that plus he was already there at the end of last season he got a head start on building that program I do think that's upset potential for Ohio State coming off a potential victory over Penn State here uh, so that's my pick Wisconsin I think they win the Big Ten West you know what's 
my my pick. I'm not going to dance around because I could I could counter both of y'all's arguments because I like I like the where y'all went there with the same team. Uh, I think Maryland is a, is going to be interesting to watch because I think Maryland is better than it was personnel wise a year ago. Uh, I think Mike Loxley, you know, a lot of guys that we we're around a lot don't like Mike Loxley, right? But yeah. the bottom line is, I I think he's done a pretty pretty good job there. Are they going to knock off? the big time teams in the Big Ten East, this final foray through the Big Ten East, I think they might knock off one. Now, we're talking about Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, or the three I'm talking about there. Uh, it's going to be an interesting team to watch. Too bad for Maryland that they come to Ohio State because they've never played well <laughs> in this stadium since uh, they joined the Big Ten. We know what they've done over there against Ohio State. but uh, So I'm putting uh, Michigan and Penn State on possible upset alert uh, when they take on Maryland because I just think Maryland has got too much going for it uh, right now to not pull off one of those. Do you remember last year, Tim, Ohio State went to Maryland the week before the yep. Michigan came to town? This year, Maryland hosts Michigan the week before they Ohio State goes to Michigan. It's the exact same yeah. But it's the, the reverse where Mich Michigan has to go to College Park before hosting Ohio State. Last year, Ohio State had to squeak one out against at Maryland before hosting Michigan. Watch that space. The oh, week yeah. before that Ohio State game, Michigan at Maryland. That's, that's a good pick to, to, to channel Corso. I like that pick. And, of course, Ohio State, Minnesota. You know, that could be yeah. interesting at the end of the year. Uh, same, same, the same weekend. Yeah. Okay, let's get into my conversation right now, though, with, uh, with Ben Hartsock, former Ohio State Buckeye on that 2002 national championship team. Uh, he was basically supposed to be the intended receiver, if you remember, on Holy Buckeye, that uh, threw to Mike when uh, Craig Prinzel stepped up and threw it to Michael Jenkins. They really wanted to find Ben Hartsock for that first down and uh, over the middle, and it didn't really materialize. But the bottom line is he's one of the great tight ends who's ever played at The Ohio State University. And let's see what he thinks about not just Cade Stover, but uh, the rest of this Ohio State offense under the direction uh, this firepower that Ryan Day has brought to bear. Urban Meyer and then Ryan Day have brought to bear in the last decade uh, for Ohio State. Hey, Ben Hartzog, welcome back to the Tim May Show. Glad to be here. I, you know, I'd rather have you on camera with me, Tim, as opposed to you standing there holding the camera. I uh, know, but I don't want to ruin a good picture. <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here watching you talk to Cade Stover. We're at the Big Ten Media Days, ladies and gentlemen. This is a few days later, but... Uh, Sitting here walk, watching you talk to Cade Stover yesterday on your show, on your Sirius XM show, and I'm just going, you know, what's it like for a player to be talking to a guy who's playing in the same position he played, what, 30 years ago, 20 years ago? It, it kind of reinforces in your mind, life moves on, right? I love it. Every yeah. every one of these guys that comes through, from, from Marcus Ball to Ryan Hamby to Nick Vanette, every, every one of these guys makes my own memory that much sweeter. And, and Cade kind of holds a special place because he's a farm kid. Yeah. And and it's just wild, especially in this new world with NIL, that he's maximizing on this whole agribusiness side of things. And it's like amazing to see. And he's having the time of his life. And, and the best part is he's a good young man. Yeah. And, and he's a talented young man with a tremendous bright future. Watching the way that he does things, he's doing it the right way. I mean, that Georgia game, playing hurt, you know, like, man, battling it, yeah. it, it it warms my heart but it makes my own memories that much sweeter to watch each guy write their chapter in history i was gonna say i want you to re to rethink the what growing up on a farm what that gave you i mean it's not saying you can't grow up in east columbus and have yeah. the same 
work ethic and stuff. But what what did it ingrain in you? And you know, like with Cade, he he's used to getting up early. You know, yeah, going to bed late. You know, like Carson Hensman, the guy's trying to be the, you know, he grew up on a dairy farm. Yeah, you know? I mean. You know, it's it's interesting. Growing up on our farm, it was just responsibilities. Yeah. You know, now listen, my dad jokes like dairy farmers work real hard. We weren't dairy farmers. We grew crops, but it was just expected responsibility. Dad would put us in challenging situations. Uh, hey, there's a tractor the size of a home. You're 12 years old. You're going to get in and drive it down the road to this next farm. And, and there's intimidation that comes from that. And I don't know how driving a tractor down a county road makes you a better football player but it does somehow because it was responsibility and it was your dad who you look up to saying, I, I think you can do this and you need to go get the job done. Yeah. Uh, and so just those expectations of responsibility. And like you say, I don't live on a farm now, but I do have my daughters and I've got some, I, 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 we have some animals that, uh, you know, goats and whatnot that all they have to do is go feed them, but it's a responsibility yeah. that, that I had to do when I was a kid and they're going to have to do as a kid as well. Yeah, and plus driving that tractor down the road, not just responsibility, but concentration on a task, right? I yeah, mean, that's exactly. You know, yeah, that, Don't knock over mailboxes and yeah, uh, don't run into situations like that. And like, you know, you always say, I was joking with Kirk Ferentz yesterday about one of his guys won the uh, hay bale toss yeah. uh, at the Solon Beef Days. And there is something the guys throughout my career, they talked about farm tough, farm strong, that we didn't bale tons of hay, but I did it from time to time. And there's, it's, it's a, expectation of we're not going to sit inside all day you're not going to be playing video games you're going to be out doing things yeah hey last couple things though you know watching this from afar but not really because you know you always got your mind in on it uh should ryan day be feeling pressure this year i mean obviously anybody that plays football feels pressure pressure to win etc but where is your take on this continuing question i get all the time is you know, if things don't go well against Michigan or what, I mean, this guy has played in three college football playoff, coached in three college football playoffs in his first four years as a head coach. Uh, won the Big Ten one of those times. Yeah. I mean, where, where's your thought process in that? Yeah, it's the question I asked the, the players yesterday. Two Big Ten championships, the, actually. The, re the expectations are unreasonable. But I also recognize this is Ohio State, and that's why Ohio State is what it is, is unrealistic expectations. So it's like a, a catch-22. Yeah. And another loss will bring legitimate questions. Even though I disagree with them, I understand them, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, we live in an era where, listen, I played under Coach Cooper, and it was 2-10-1, 2-10-1, wins-loss versus Michigan. And so three losses to Michigan is not acceptable, and we don't live in a time in history where he'll, where Coach Day will get the, the – the tenure or the, the leash that Coach Cooper got. I don't think it's reasonable, but there will be a lot of voices. It won't be me, but there will be a lot of legitimate sports media voices that will say it's time to bring to question after three, if there are three consecutive losses, which I'd said it yesterday. I can't I can't present it because I can't put it in my mind that that would even be a reality, but, but we're on the cusp of it. Yeah. Last thing, what do you like most about what Ryan Day has brought to the fore at Ohio State? And I'm asking that kind of like a loaded question because when in doubt, air it out is the way I like to say it, but it's not quite that cavalier. You were on a team in 2002 that was quite talented, but almost threw the ball when it had to, you know what I mean? I yeah. Mean, you're so still you're, what I'm are, you, are you asking about his, his offensive approach? Yeah, just his offense. I mean, the offense, they've, no one's ever played offense at Ohio State like Ohio State does now. Well, I, I think that what he's no, done is no, I mean, exploring what he's got. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look at what he's done. That the the, the 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 pipeline for the NFL that Ohio State has always been 
it's at truly the tip of the spear now. With, with, this, with what Brian Hartline and Coach Day at the wide receiver position, what they've done, the quarterback position, I love Craig Krenzel in my era and the legacy of quarterbacks at Ohio State, but now we've got three consecutive first-round picks, and the, the expectation is if it's Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, they're going to be the next top five NFL draft pick. And so yeah. it is – it's kind of the society as a whole is our, our standards are insurmountable no matter what, and Ohio State is at the very top level of that, and Ryan Day continues to meet that task. Yeah, and the interesting thing is you go to a play, you just want to be entertained, right? Yeah. You go to an Ohio State football game, even though it's entertainment, you want to be entertained and you want to walk away with a win. Right? I mean, yeah, if you're we, a fan. Yeah, I mean, you know. The, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, your question of, of the X's and O's, I mean, I, 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 I love his offense, but I, I my – connection that what I feel proud of Coach Day is that he's doing things and, and meeting that high expectation, but I think that there's a genuine connection, that, that same connection that I have with Coach Cooper and Coach Tressel. I believe he has that with his players. I remember the first the first feature they did when Coach Day was taken over was one of those game day features. He was talking about renovating his office to make sure players felt like they could approach Coach. Urban was so intense. I don't know that there was that, that comfort that, hey, Coach, can I ask you some tough questions? I think Coach Day has kind of recalibrated to have that same intensity that Urban brought and raised the bar at Ohio State, but he's brought it to a, a little more approachable level, and I think that the team and the guys that I see are a little more at peace because Yeah, of and the other thing that they've gotten, I don't want me to keep you, but the other thing they've gotten is like Urban was really big on competition every day. Yes. Winner, loser, winner, loser, you know, in the practices and whatever. Ohio State has like now gone back to that to a certain extent. That, yeah, that's that was the message from Coach Day yesterday. There's is something that to each be said. and every day, whether it's uh, you know a one-on-one -on -one rep or an actual one of those tire drills where they're trying to jerk the tire out of each other's hands, there is that that when you are trying to, it's like wind resistance when you're trying to get past Georgia. When you're, it's truly national championship or bust for Ohio State. That is a ton of resistance that you have to overcome, and so you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, and yeah. and that's what is. Coach Day kind of alluded to that, is that we have to get back to a little bit more of that this season to punch through to that level. And Governor, I, I, you know, I know you like me calling you that, a nickname, uh, as opposed to Senator Trussell, Governor, <laughs> Governor Hartsock. Last question, do you like where the Big Ten is headed with the 2024 season of no divisions, Ohio State and Michigan possibly playing two weeks in a row? That's really putting the cart before the horse, but good possibility there. What, what is just your take on that? I, I'm grieved over college football generally a lot of this recalibration of, of uh, com conferences and a lot of it it's the traditionalist in me kind of grieves but I I have to recognize there's no putting that back in the tube um, the, the Big Ten is positioned in as good a position as any uh, and so that's going to be final Ohio State will be fine no matter what and, and on top of that the Big Ten is going to be fine what does the future look like professional contracts you know salary caps I don't know I hope not because I, I call the time my time at Ohio State outside of my farm upbringing my family upbringing my time as a college athlete at Ohio State was the most formative in my life if you turn that into a professional endeavor, you really undercut that magic time. Every kid that goes to college, it's a magic time, certainly for football players. And I always say this about football is the lessons we learned as football players, the fans in the stands learn them kind of tangentially. Yeah. And so I, I hate to see that get muddied, but I recognize that's the future. And, 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 and I caveat all this to say, game day is always going to be great. That's, that's always going to be spectacular. Ben Hartsock, welcome back to the Tim May Show, my man. Absolutely. Anytime. Good to see you, Tim. I always, always enjoy moments with the man 
the young, the, he's a man now, the young man I used to cover that we nicknamed, I think I nicknamed the governor, because I still think he could end up being the governor of Ohio one of these days. Uh, we'll see where that goes. But, uh, you know, two farm, one farm boy talking about another farm boy. Uh, it was very interesting and, and where this offense can go. Guys, we are living, I keep telling people, we're living in a golden era. We're living in the golden era of Ohio State offensive football. Go to you first, Andy. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, Martin Harrison Jr. is maybe going to be the highest drafted wide receiver since Calvin Johnson in 2007. I keep saying that because it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy that you know, we get to watch the privilege of having to watch a guy like him, six foot four, 205 pounds, and catch pretty much any pass in his way. But he's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. You go down the entire list of wide receivers, tight ends too. I'm really curious to see who emerges as tight end too, whether it's G. Scott, Joe Royer, maybe even Jelani Thurman. I don't know. And so that entire offense, running back to you, five guys, four of them led the team at least one game last year in rushing. The offensive line is obviously the big question mark. Quarterbacks, it doesn't even totally matter, I think, because you got two five stars. The entire offense is just coated with talent, and they might have their biggest draft class ever after this season. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, as somebody who grew up watching Jim Trestle coach the offense, and it's you know, won a national championship. Won Rose Bowls, did a great job. Uh, I will never say a bad word about Jim Trestle whatsoever, but that was not offensive football. Uh, the best play is the punt. Uh, I don't think Urban Meyer. The I don't think important play is yeah. Football is the punt. I don't think Ryan Day. I don't think Urban Meyer would agree with that. I, I watched a lot of those Jim Trestle teams. You know, why are they punting right now? They need to, uh, that's not really happening much anymore. Which is, you know, the first check checkpoint when you talk about if this is the golden age of offensive football at Ohio State. I do look up there and see Heisman trophies, but that was when, you know, a lot of those were when you know Vic Janowitz was was punting and playing quarterback and had you know, 471 rushing yards, and that's the most in the country. And, yeah, you know, uh, Hopalong Cassidy, like, it's just different you football. You played offense and defense. Yeah, it's just, it's just different football. This is by far the best age of Ohio State football. Um, I think it's just, in general, the golden age of Ohio State football. Where, where, where Jim Trestle is underrated, though, yeah, he didn't like to play outrageous, over-the-top offense all the time, meaning throw the ball more than you run it. But you go back and watch the Michigan games, you know, he spread the field. I mean, he was running he a did. spread offense three quarters of the time when they played Michigan and stuff. He would let it loose when it mattered most. Matter, matter of fact, he's supposed to be on this show uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, barring a snafu of sorts. And uh, I'll have him on along with Matt Wilhelm, my favorite, one of my favorite contributors uh, to this show because they both have great insights. And, of course, you know why I'm going to have a Jim Trussell on. I'm, 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 the first thing I want to ask him, is he going to be wearing a sweater vest that has an O and a Y and an SU on it to say Ohio State is hosting Youngstown State where he's been the president low these many last few years after being the uh, head coach at Ohio State. And we'll get into a lot of things in that regard. He's been on my show a few times, but it's, it's always interesting to have him on. You know, we talked about something a while ago about the, the, the uh, uh, what's the word I would use? Not montage, what's the, the spread of, of uh, over the air networks where Big Ten football is going to be available now. The one good thing I think Kevin Warren did as the uh, commissioner of the Big Ten, and I've got a guy on, a fellow I've always enjoyed listening to on Sirius XM. I like watching him on television because I think he gives great insights, uh, is Rick Neuheisel, former head coach at what, UCLA, at Washington, at Colorado. Uh, he's been on uh, CBS for a while now, and he's had that Sirius XM show, which I truly enjoy listening to 
during the season. Let's get to my conversation with Rick Neuheisel. What do you think? Uh, what do you think this whole change up from the standpoint of who's broadcasting games and you know Big Ten games, et cetera? Now, what do you think it's going to do for the viewer? You you think they're going to find it no matter what? It's like the gold rush, right? Uh, television executives realize how valuable these properties are, how much people love college athletics, in particular college football, and so how do I get more properties? How do I get more on television? And how do I get the big name programs like your beloved Buckeyes yeah. on television? And and we're thrilled at CBS that we got a little piece of the pie because yeah. uh, you know the thing with the SEC was running out, and for us to land where we landed with that window that I think we've helped create that 3:30 window yeah. and get a Big Ten, you know, uh, masterpiece on each Saturday. That's going to be a blast. So we're thrilled to have what we have in the marketplace, but uh, the marketplace is fertile. There's lots of activity in yeah, it Yeah, right a lot now. of growth going on, you know, NIL seeds, uh, transfer portal seeds, et cetera, and stuff. I mean, you know, former coach and stuff, it just, is it is this crazy time? How would you explain it if you were? I think Matt Brown said it best, you know, he, we, I interviewed him for my radio show and uh, he said in 35 years of coaching, we've had more change in the last two than the previous 33. Uh, that's, saying a lot yeah. in, in all the change of the last 35 years to have these two be that, you know, whirlwindish. Uh, it's, it's remarkable and it's going to take great leadership. And unfortunately, in college athletics, we have nobody that has the job description to look at this thing from 30,000 feet. Yeah. We have a bunch of really smart people, leaders in the SEC, leaders in the Big Ten who are now being called the Super Two. No, none of these people are looking at it from the vantage point of what's best for everybody. They're looking at it what's best for us, as they should. So don't hate the player, hate the game, but we're, I'm, I'm worried about mistakes that might take years to unwind. Yeah, one last quickie. Sorry, I gotta get one, Yeah, one last quickie. If you could change one thing about the whole system right now, what would you do? I would uh, negotiate as one, just as the NFL does. Yeah. Pete Rozelle did it in the early 60s, got all the owners to say, hey, look, we're going to do this as one in terms of our television rights. If we did that in college football, we wouldn't be worrying about the Pac-12 surviving. And the regionalization of college football is what that makes it magic. Yeah, man, Rick Neuheisel, you know, he played the guitar, man. He's, a, he's an entertainer, and I think he's in the right medium. So, uh, you know, as we wrap this up, guys, I want you to give me one figment, one player, something that you have still have some a question mark or three about that you want to see maybe cleared up as Ohio State leaves the field on Saturday at Indiana, the number three team in the country. What's that one thing, that one question mark that's still lingering for you? Go ahead, Spence. I want to know if this defense is going to play the 11 best defensive players or if it's going to play the 11 best athletes. I think those are two different things. Last year, I think they played a little bit too much of the who's the best defensive player and not enough of the who's the best athlete. You know, you talk about you know, those Michigan long touchdowns from Michigan. Somebody could have caught one of those guys had maybe somebody else been in the Jack instead of a Jack Sawyer. You know, so, you know, who could have made a difference there? I think a better athletes, some better athletes on the field in certain positions could have been the difference between getting to Stetson Bennett in the fourth quarter compared to not getting to him when you were playing the same defensive ends. Are the athletes going to be on the field or the, or the defensive players going to be on the field? That means C.J. Hicks, Kenyatta Jackson, Sonny Styles. You know, those are three elite athletes. Yeah. And I think this defense is getting more athletic. I want to know if that's true because you're going to play 
a Jalen Lucas running back who is freaking fast and is All-American as an all-purpose guy last year as a true freshman. Keep Watch that space, guys. He's really good. You're going to need athletes to corral him because he's small. And Sorry, man. I just I had a flinch there. I, I thought I saw Donovan Edwards running down the field yeah. at me again. So, like, Jalen Lucas. quarter was crazy. Jalen Lucas is fast, and he's a good all-purpose player. He's a good returner. He needs to be limited, and your athletes are going to get you there. And so that's the thing is, like, are they going to play as athletic as this defense can play? Andy Backstrom. Look, everyone's thinking about it. I'm going quarterbacks. Yeah, quarterbacks. The timing of recording this, still not named a QB1 for Ohio State. We all think both are going to play in that week one game against Indiana. I just want to know if they have a starting quarterback. Ohio State believes it does have a starting quarterback. They don't know which one yet for the whole season. They believe they have one in the two of Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. It doesn't really matter to me which one they choose as long as one of them proves that they can be a starting quarterback this weekend at Indiana. Yeah, Blonde-haired guy, auburn-haired guy, you know, once they put the helmet on, unless he's got a little coming out the back, who cares as long as they're throwing pinpoint passes. My question is, Ryan Day has put out too many hints out there that he's going to be calling the plays again, right? And it looks like Ryan Day is going to be calling the plays. Uh, does he bring Brian Hartline along in that regard as this game goes on? Guys, as you well know, you've both been covering uh, college football for a while. It's hard to tell who's calling plays sometimes, most of the time, etc. It was never really clear. Jim Trussell never really owned up to the fact that he was calling plays, even though he was. Uh, if the play two two play choices are coming in this year and this year, and they and then the one choice is coming out your mouth, then you called the play, right? Yeah. But uh, Ryan Day, the closer he got to this season, uh, he put out too many big hints that he was going to, you know got to do what he's got to do, which is called plays. Uh, we made such a bad, big ballyhoo about that in the winter and spring when Ryan Day talked about stepping back and becoming more of an overall omniscient head coach as opposed to a, a glorified offensive coordinator calling plays. Uh, as this season fast approaches, uh, yes, he's got Brian Hartline in as his offensive coordinator. This time a year ago, uh, Kevin Wilson was the offensive coordinator, now the head coach at the University of Tulsa. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this season goes on, whether Ryan Day can step back a little bit more and hand more of those reins to Brian Hartline. Personally, I don't think it makes that big a difference. And I think if Brian Hartline is going to be your play caller down the road, the more you get him involved, the better off you are. But of course, there are going to be other games coming up. This is a conference opener. This isn't, you know, hosting Troy. This isn't hosting Rice. This is a conference opener on the road uh, you can feel the tension sort of building for the number three team in the country. And uh, the tension definitely finally sits and manifests itself with the head coach coming off two seasons when they've lost the, the final regular season game to Michigan. Uh, when the spotlight is really on Ryan Day, I think he's feeling it more and more as this season approaches. So that's what I'm seeing. One last word from you. Anything you want to throw on the Tim May show? Ryan Day talked about letting it all hang out. I'm gonna look at uh, my watch like you yeah, just did. With the Georgia thing. I was just seeing what time it was. Curious guy. Uh, Ryan Day kind of talked about letting it all hang out and being super aggressive yeah. against Georgia. I'm writing about that this week. I need to see that 14, 15 times this year. Stop saving that, be aggressive. If you're an aggressive head coach, be aggressive. Don't, don't change who you are based on your opponent. Don't change who you are based on the Michigan game. Don't change who you are because you're playing Youngstown State. If you need to score 42 in the first quarter against Youngstown State, do it. However it plays out, 
be aggressive. If I see a more aggressive Ryan Day, it's going to make me much more confident in this team moving forward. Yeah, it's the little things for me, and it goes along with that. Procedural things. Are there false starts week one? You're on the road. It's Big Ten. I know it's Indiana, but it's still on the road. Big Ten game. How's that offensive line doing with procedural operational things? How is the offense as a whole doing with that with Brian Hartline as the OC? How is special teams performing overall with potential, well, a new kicker. It's going to be one of the two of them. Are there mixed extra points? Are there missed field goals? All those little things, because they're going to win this game, I'm confident in saying, by multiple scores. Hey, okay. save that for Friday. Okay. But I'm just saying that it's going to be the little things. It might not really matter at the end of the day against Indiana, but will certainly matter as the season goes on. Yeah. I'm going to <clears throat> not overreact from whatever I see on Saturday at Indiana for the number three team in the country, Ohio State, unless it's a loss, unless it's a tighter game than we're anticipating, unless it's a one-score game, then I'm going to overreact to a certain extent. But openers are made for blunders. They're made when you've got a first-year, first-time starting quarterback, uh, when you've got three new starters on your offensive line, you know, you're going to have some mistakes. They're going to happen. Uh, that's why I anticipate Ohio State lining up and trying to run the ball right down Indiana's throat because Indiana's going to come after them. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at them from a defensive uh, uh, exotics kind of standpoint. If you run the ball down a team's throat, that backs them off to a certain extent. So we'll see where that goes. I know uh, Spence keeps looking at his watch, no, uh, except when he's talking. If you recruiting notice, reporter Matt Parker just called me, uh, and I had to send it to voicemail because I'm talking to you. See, yeah. Matt Parker right there. Gotcha. Maybe he's got a breaking breaking news story. Who knows? Go to lettermanrow.com and find out. Lettermanrow.com, ladies and gentlemen. That's where it's all going to be. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this team finally. Guys, we talk about it so much, right? Yeah. Finally play a game so we have some real stuff to talk about. Uh, so until next week, for Spencer Holbrook, for Andy Baxter, and yours truly, Tim May, we'll see you then.